Welcome to the Managing Miscarriage Podcast. I am Melissa Whitman, founder of the nonprofit One Generation and our current initiative, Managing Miscarriage. We help women through the heartbreak of miscarriage, and as a nonprofit, we run completely on donations. Our services help thousands of women, so please support us by donating through our website, managingmiscarriage.com, or visit our Patreon page for over 30 more miscarriage stories, as well as exclusive content. Check it out at patreon.com slash miscarriage. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash miscarriage. It's also linked in the details below. Thank you for tuning in. I have Danielle with me here today who miscarried at 17 weeks and labored at home in the middle of the night. Her water broke and she ended up going to the ER and after everything wound up having a DNC anyway. So she has quite the story to tell us today. Danielle, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for the opportunity to memorialize my baby, Viviana, who we lost, yes, at 17 weeks gestation. Um, It happened exactly six months ago yesterday. Um, So it's been quite a journey. And I still feel... um, I still feel pretty emotional, not as frequently, but uh, over time, it kind of, the grief has kind of come and gone in waves, which I think happens. And, um, and part of what was really important for me was to feel through it. Um, I know that family and friends have the best intentions and will often give advice um, just because they don't, don't want to see you in pain. Um, and some of the advice would be, you know, you'll have another one, you're healthy, you're, um, you know, let's just keep moving, look at the positive and, you know, all of those kinds of platitudes that are really easy to say and probably difficult to say for people around you who don't know what to say. But, um, it was, it was difficult for me sometimes to stay in a grounded place where I received those, um, with the intention of their love instead of, instead of feeling like I don't want to get over it. Like this, this was a life inside of me that was there and was alive and had a heartbeat and was with me for 17 weeks. And, um, you know, so it was really, it was really a struggle at first when I lost her, um, to, to kind of, keep myself and my emotional field protected. Um, And I didn't even know really what that would consist of from a day-to-day basis. Sometimes things wouldn't bother me at all. And sometimes someone would say something and I would feel like a boiling pot inside. So um, it was really important for me to check in with myself and be super, super compassionate with myself because of just the raw and tender place I was in. Um, and not, not even mentioning that it's, it is postpartum and your hormones are still are experiencing all of those, those pregnancy signals for a while Yes. after the loss. And I yes. don't think, I don't think people also are cognizant of that all the time. Right. Um, 
after after I lost Viviana, I was out of work for two weeks, and that was it. And I was back, and it I was still postpartum, and you know I was still um, I was still experiencing um, pretty significant symptoms, um, especially just feeling like I was sleepwalking through life at that point, um, and there was something to be said about about taking time for your self-care. I know people always talk about self-care and, but I mean, after something like this, when your body literally had a life inside and then experienced a death inside, um, self-care is like an understatement. It's a necessity. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, um, you know, so that was, that was really intense part of the journey when after it, after it first happened, so take us to the beginning. I mean, okay. even take us to finding out that you were pregnant. Okay. And and that first trimester, because this is really unique that you got through the first trimester. You, yeah. know, you were into the second yeah. trimester. So take us through all of that. Okay. Um, and actually, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty miraculous because, um, and I know this is a personal, um, personal journey, but my husband had a vasectomy reversal in January. Um, he has two children who were teenagers from a previous marriage and, you know, didn't plan at the time that he was having any more children. And then life happened and he was divorced and we met and um, we were married. Um, then we decided to have children. So it ha- he had his reversal in January. The doctor said, best case scenario um, you can get pregnant in six months and almost six months on the dot we did. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah. And he had this amazing dream on mother's day about, uh, me being a mom. And a month later I was pregnant. Um, oh, that's so beautiful. It was, it was unbelievable. So the fact that Viviana even happened, um, was just unbelievable. And I remember, I knew I was pregnant before I even took that test. And I, I'd never been pregnant before. I've never, um, never, ever carried a child. So it, it was something that was a testament to I'm pretty in tune with my body. And I, and I knew, and we both knew, Vin knew too. Um, I remember I was on the deck. It was in June, and we were doing yard work. And I, all of a sudden I said, oh, my gosh, I need to eat, like, right now. Like, right now. I, I never had that kind of hunger before. And, um, I literally felt like I would pass out if I didn't have like a morsel in my mouth at that moment. And that was my first sign. And then, um, I took the test two days later and I was pregnant. Um, and I remember feeling throughout the pregnancy, I felt that hunger pang and it was, it reminded me of her, like even in the middle of the night, um, I would get this like ravenous craving and I would need to eat. I had almonds and oyster crackers beside my bed. I remember because it could be at any point. And my mom, I remember her saying, well, the baby doesn't know what time it is. So, you know, so you have to just be prepared. And, um, and, and from that moment, I felt like a mom, I felt like my, my agenda was superseded by this little being's agenda. And, and that's, that's honestly how I felt throughout the whole pregnancy. I felt like, how am I going to establish this new normal with this, with this little child inside that's, that has wants and needs and, and is making them known to me, you know, obviously non-verbally, but 
um, it was very strong and it was, the connection happened immediately. And I'm sure all moms say that. Um, so to, to carry her for 17 weeks, I had intense nausea. Um, we didn't know if she was a girl or boy at the time. Um, we didn't know until actually I, um, I birthed her and, um, and it was, it was miraculous and it was the most amazing experience. Um, and I'll always think of it that way. Um, even though she wasn't with me in her, uh, she didn't embody, um, as a live baby with me, I know she was with me and she'll be with me forever. Um, her DNA will never go away. Um, and, and that's, and that's true and that's real. So, um, so throughout the pregnancy, I was very nauseous. I, uh, I didn't really have many other symptoms. Um, my, my vitamin regime, my prenatals, I remember I need to be really mindful of, of when to take them. I need to, I need to have a certain amount of food in my stomach, not to get sick. So it was, it was really a dance between Viviana and I, it was okay. How am I, how am I going to satisfy your needs and still, and still maintain my equilibrium in life without, you know, having to lay down 24 seven. So I did feel, I felt, felt like my energy was, was largely given to her. And, um, so it was a beautiful experience. I mean, just that creation, the idea of creating this, this being is just absolutely unbelievable. And, uh, it happened for me and it happened for my husband. And, and that's, and that's something that we always, we always think about as, um, as a connecting, piece of ours through time absolutely was Um, miscarriage on your mind through any of this um the first trimester I I felt a little bit worried I remember okay I remember thinking um I remember thinking this is the fragile time this is the time where something could go wrong and I could start bleeding and and that's it but I I had a couple instances of spotting and and, and had ultrasounds after and the baby was fine. So I wasn't really worried after 12 weeks, after 13 weeks, I, I felt relieved. And then I think that was at, when it first happened, when I first lost her, I remember thinking it was, it was really like a sick joke. I, I felt like I, my body betrayed me um, because I thought I had this, sense of confidence and immediately I discovered it was a false sense of confidence when I lost her um and I think any pregnant mom has an element of fear I think that's normal um but I think after the first trimester historically you think as a you know when you hear about pregnancies growing up as a young woman um that first trimester is is the time that you're most worried so it was a little bit of a shock I would say for sure yeah um and it did happen in the middle of the night. I I literally had no sign prior to that. Um, so you had some spotting yeah. early on. Mm-hmm. Ultrasound showed everything was good. You got past yeah. the first trimester, yep. feeling better, yep. and then just middle of the yep. night. Yeah, it was um, it was the middle of the night. It was the nine fourteen. I remember, and I. Uh, I woke up with some intense cramping and my husband was sleeping beside me. I didn't, I didn't even think to wake him up. I just retreated um, downstairs and I, I started 
I started like I went on my hands and knees and I remember rocking and breathing and like all the things that you hear pregnant women do in labor Mm -hmm. and and I literally just moved the way my body needed me to move to just get through it and I didn't know what was happening I didn't even think to to call upstairs for my husband like I didn't even think about it um he was upstairs my stepson was sleeping upstairs um and it was just me and my cat actually one of my cats followed me down and was kind of there with me the whole time um and then after about an hour hour and a half I felt my water break and I knew what it was because I felt a gush in this pop um and then that's when I called my husband down and it was I called my my midwife in the middle of the night um and she said you know you need to go to the hospital um so we called the ambulance the ambulance came and at that point I I really did feel um I was in shock I I had no emotion they put me on the gurney they you know they wheeled me out into the into the ambulance I remember vomiting in the ambulance on the way on the way to the hospital and I was I was checked out like I I it was almost like I was in kind of a a zombie-like state. Um, and at the hospital, in the ER, it was it was not a really good experience. I felt no one was there, first of all. Like, there were nurses and doctors, but it wasn't like a busy, bustling ER where they were busy. It wasn't a busy night. And so I, I felt a little bit relieved when we got there because I said, okay, good, they're going to be able to give me some more attention. But the doctor came in, and he, he confirmed – that I had lost the baby. And I remember thinking, I, I, I'm losing my breath. I can't breathe. And I said to the nurse, I can't breathe. I was like, can you please put me down so that my, I'm level with my heart because I was sitting up at the time. Um, and she said, your, your oxygen's fine. You're fine. And, and I, I said, but I, I can't breathe. Like I can't feel my breath coming into my body. And I was, I knew I was panicking, but I didn't feel like, what was happening around me was the attention I deserved at that point. Um, I remember the nurses were bickering. Um, it was, it was not a good experience at that moment when I needed so much compassion. Um, and then thankfully I was brought up to labor and delivery and the nurses were amazing there and my placenta um, my placenta didn't deliver. So, they put me on Pitocin for four hours. and So had you delivered your daughter at this point? Yeah. Yep. And was that in the emergency room? Um, I don't think she was actually taken for me. She was in my I, – I felt her in my, in my vaginal canal. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't let her go. Um, yeah. And I remember that I had to – they had to, you know, put me up in the stirrups and they had to re- take her out. Um. And I, I honestly don't even remember when that happened because I was just, I was so out of it. Yeah, and, complete uh, shock. Yeah, it was complete shock. I know they were examining me a bunch and I, I don't even, my husband's like, it happened in labor and delivery. And I'm like, I don't remember. So when I got up to labor and delivery, they did, um, you know, they delivered her and then my placenta wouldn't, wouldn't detach. 
So they said, okay, we need to put you on Pitocin. The first thing I heard, when I heard that word Pitocin, I said, I cannot withstand any more emotional or physical pain tonight. I was like, I can't. Please, if if there's any other way that you can do this, please do it. And they said, well, it's protocol. We need to put you on Pitocin and see if it, if it detaches and you deliver it. And then, then we'll think about a DNC. And I remember saying to someone, you know, I feel completely disempowered right now. I said, there are women who are able to come into the hospital and request procedures done. Um, and whether it's a cesarean, whether it's, um, you know, a planned abortion, whatever it may be. And I don't have the choice right now to choose how this is going to go further. And I wanted the DNC at that point. I didn't, I didn't want to wait four hours with this Pitocin and I didn't know what it was going to feel like. I've heard horror stories and I just, I, I couldn't conceive of experiencing that at that point. Um, But you did go through it. I did. So what was it like? So I wasn't able to have any food or water. And it was the the middle of the night, so you probably hadn't eaten in a while. Right, exactly. Um, And I I couldn't even get ice chips. Like, they couldn't even give me that. They, I remember they moistened my lips with with a washcloth, and I was on an IV. So that's how I was getting nutrients. But um, I was, it was not comfortable. I mean, it was, it was awful. Um, And then my placenta still didn't deliver after four hours did the did the contractions intensify that you could notice during um, those four hours I I honestly I didn't even feel anything and I don't know if that's because it was just I like compared to what I had gone through it wasn't as bad or if I was just kind of my body and like was I was just not in I almost felt disassociated at one point. Yeah. Maybe that's something that happened. Mm-hmm. But um, but I just felt zombie-like for a while. Um, and then and the then, four hours passed. Yeah, the four hours passed. They said, okay, it still didn't you – know, they checked me again. It still didn't detach. We have to plan – you know, we have to plan it for the DNC. And they asked me if I wanted to be awake or if I wanted to be put out. And I, I opted for the anesthesia. So – uh, and I remember the nurses and the doctors were so, so compassionate throughout this whole thing. And that, that I will hold on to for the rest of my life because it, I was gearing up after what happened in the emergency room, I was gearing up for more trauma. So I am thankful, so grateful and thankful for how delicate and diplomatic and compassionate everyone was at that point. Even I remember, even as I was going, as they were counting down in the anesthesi- with the anesthesia, with the anesthesiologists, they were just, you know, rubbing my shoulder and holding my hand. And I just needed that. I needed that so, so badly at that point. Yeah. Um, so the DNC was successful and the doctor said everything looked fine. Um, and I went home. I actually didn't. Co- I didn't come home until maybe five days later. I went to my parents' house, and they cared for me. My husband slept w- over with me. Oh, we had, good! I'm yeah, so glad you had that. We had um, we had family and um, friends come to the house and take care of our cats. And um, I I actually requested that 
we get a house cleaner to clean the whole house before I got back because I wanted, I needed that. I needed that fresh start. I needed to, to feel like what I was coming back to was cleansed um, because I, I lost Viviana in, in my house. Like it was, it was really a transition for me to go from this place where, where logistically we conceived her to where she was lost and that was very heavy and I needed even just that that small gesture of someone coming to clean my house it made it feel like I was walking into a newer safer space again um so there's something about that some energy clearing needed to happen for me oh yeah um and I remember feeling at one point, my mom and my dad said, you know, you could stay here as long as you need to. And at one point I said, no, you know, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go back. So it was probably four or five days later. And we live in the same town. So I could have easily gone back home. I just wasn't ready. Um, and my body was really weak. I know I, I became anemic, chronically anemic afterwards. So it was it was a matter of me really... Um, pump, you know, pumping up my nutrients and my levels again for months. Um, I'm still six months later, just getting there. So it's amazing what the body can do. I mean, I have a complete and utter awe more so than I even had before for the capabilities of our bodies. Um, and this is coming from someone who felt completely betrayed right after it happened. Um, so there is an other side and I'm experiencing that now, but going back to that week after I knew at that point I needed to pull out any possible tool I had to help myself through this. And, and what helped you the most? So what helped me the most was telling the people around me who were there who were there for me who were caring for me who were emotionally supporting me what I needed that I feel that I feel was if I could give any kind of solace or um, any kind of anything to someone listening to this I would say please get in touch with what you need and be very vocal about that because from any, at any given moment, the pe- people around you could have the best of intentions. But if you're not able to tell them what it is that's, that's, some, that's alive in you at that moment, that's something that's needed, that's something that's, um, that's lacking, that you need someone to do for you, that is the best gift you can give yourself. And give the best, that's the best gift you can give to the relationships around you because they want to help you. Yes. And there's such a, there's a deepening that happens when someone shows up for you in that time, in that emotional space where that grief is so heavy. And if they're willing to stand with you and witness with you, um, the deepening of that relationship is, is like exponential. Wow. So, and I do feel that way with, um, with how my relationship with my husband has evolved. And I know that one thing that we really did have to work on after we lost Viviana was um, understanding how 
each of us individually handles grief and and not set any expectations on what grief looks like for any particular person at any particular moment um because it changes it's it's like it becomes part of you it's it's a fabric of your existence from that moment on and what you choose to do with it is your choice and that's how you can break yourself open or you can break yourself down and I do feel like at one point we did have to make that decision are we going to allow this to break us down or break us open and the opening that happened and the gifts that this little spirit a big spirit actually little little person but big spirit has given us um are are such that we feel like different people being transformed um and the the level of like i was saying the level of deepening that a relationship can go through from from experiencing this is is a gift so i remember instances in talking about how you know to say what you need and speak your truth throughout and for women i know this is especially difficult i know that you know for me especially i i grew up as a person who was very mindful of um my place around others, not rustling feathers, not making people feel uncomfortable. Um, and, and to a certain extent, I'm proud of that. And I believe that's part of my character and in, in this, and that I could, I could hold space for others and not push my stuff onto someone else. But at the same time, when I need something, I've also learned it is important for me to speak up because the people around you who care will want to help and do for you. Um, so, an instance I can remember very vividly was the week I went back to work, I remember feeling like my grief wasn't as much until the weekend. Friday night, it would hit me like a ton of bricks because during the week, I'm a school librarian at a middle school and I was busy, busy, busy teaching classes, uh, managing the library, um, you know, helping kids. There was a bunch of things I was doing all day. I'm I consider myself a very involved person. So I have committees I belong to. I mean, there's a bunch of other things I fill my time with. Um, but Friday night, it hit me. And I remember saying to my husband, you know, I really need you to be to be home tonight. I'm looking forward to cuddling. I'm looking forward to just watching a movie and relaxing with you. Because you have to remember, this is the person that you created this child with. And... And it's so palpable. The grief is so palpable sometimes. It's like being close to him, holding him and hugging him and being having that, you know, skin to skin or close connection. It floods you with emotions, good, good and bad. Um, the emotions come through that are so, so heavy with either this deep feeling of connection or this deep feeling of grief and that can, and they can go back and forth. Um, and it's very emotional. So for him to, you know, be there for me and say, okay, you know, I, I want to, I want to spend time with you tonight too. I'm looking forward to it. And we had kind of had a text conversation. Um, and I was planning on having him being home when I got home. Well, it happened to be, there was like a, a cross in, in communication at some point, and he was 20 minutes away when I stepped foot in the door. He was planning on coming home. We we're planning on having a night. But 
he wasn't home when I stepped foot in the door and I lost it. I felt abandoned. I felt like he wasn't putting my grief as a priority. I mean, I called him immediately and I was like, where are you? You, you know, you told me you'd be home. And, um, and his intentions were all in the right places. He was literally, you know, like I said, 20 minutes away, but it was that, I was that fragile at that point. I was so, I was that fragile that I needed to communicate to him. No, I need, no, you don't understand. I need you to be in the house. Your physical presence needs to be there with me when I step in the door. And I wasn't clear enough. So we had a little bit of a back and forth that night. But since then, after that happened, he was incredibly communicative and knew that that was something that was important for me. His physical presence was very important for me. So if he had plans, you know, he wanted to make plans with friends, he would, you know, he'd ask me and say, you know, you know, is it okay if, um, are you feeling all right today? I'd like to go out to dinner with a couple friends. And, and I, just him asking me that and giving me that opportunity to choose was, it meant the world to me. It absolutely meant the world to me. So, and most times I'd say, you know, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm feeling good tonight. I'll be okay by myself. Um, but to give that woman the right to choose when she's alone, when, um, you know, what, what her time can look like is, I think, very powerful. Especially right after um, when you, you have lost something inside of you that was very close to you. So the people around you who are very close to you will have a profound impact on making, keeping you feel connected to yourself and keeping you feeling connected to love around you. Absolutely. Makes, oh, completely. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. So now you had mentioned that your hubby was actually willing to jump on here with us and yes. share his perspective. Yes. Um, okay. Actually, he's right here. Babe, are you ready? Hey, Vincent, thank you for joining us. I'm excited to get your perspective. So can you share with us how this loss impacted your relationship, but from your perspective? Okay. Uh, hi, thanks for having me. Uh, let's see uh, how it impacted me. Well, guys, I feel are different because uh, I feel like it was, I'm a fixer. I'm a, a you know, a handy guy, carpenter, uh, you know, and I, right away, you just want to want to say, well, I could fix it. I could, you know, what could I do? I can I can make it better. I'll give you another one. You know, that's my first instinct. That's how I felt. And then from there, um, seeing, you know, what we went through and the, and the trauma of it was very, you know, like it was a lot for for me and, and for us. But just like the whole process was it just happened so quick. And it was like, wait, you know, everything was great. Now everything's going wrong, you know, so once we got through that part and uh you know once i saw her like you know getting better when we were in the hospital knowing that we're gonna at least you know she's okay at this point and uh what was gonna happen next was you know like you know we have to find out why and how and uh, and that part was really hard to deal with but in the long run seeing her go through this and you know uh the resilience of it i thought it just, you know, it made it uh, me feel in a way like really closer to her and connected to her and going through that. You know, it sounds weird, but it really did happen in that way where it was, 
you know, the, the connection grew stronger and it was, uh, you know, just a, a different feeling, even though with the, with that great loss, we, you know, uh, I felt like the connection got stronger and we, you know, the communication changed and just uh, things changed. In a really positive way, which is ironic, but really right. good. Yeah. So did you guys get any answers? Uh, nothing that we can hold on to. Um, okay. You know, there's, you know, there's, they're very vague with stuff. They say it could be this, could be that. Um, okay. You know, so uh, that, that, that search, I think, you know, it's something that you, you want to, you can try to explore it, but, you know, in the long run, you just have to kind of chalk it up to, you know, uh, you know, it happens and, you know, uh, unless there's like, they, I guess they medically figure it out, but they really can't. I, I've, yeah. Yeah. Everything's normal. All the test okay. levels are normal. All, you know, we saw the baby moving around in an ultrasound, you know, which we were trying not to get, but, uh, you know, she had a little complication and they're like, everything's fine. So that's, like I said, you see that and you're like, well, everything's fine. It's great. You know? Like, right. And then, you know, when that happens, you're like, whoa, you know, it's a big difference in the doctor. They're not going to tell you. And you can go to specialist after specialist. It's just really, you know, uh, these things happen. And, and I'm not sure medically, you know, they could probably tell you something in certain cases. But in our case, there wasn't a straight answer. Yeah, which is unfortunately common. So tell me about the day-to-day -day for you, because as the woman for your wife or for those of us who have been through this, it like never leaves our mind, right? Because right. it was in us, our hormones are going crazy. What was the day-to-day -day like for you? Were you feeling your internal grief or were you more focused on her? Did it go back and forth? What was that like? Uh, I felt like the focus was more on her. You know, I felt it, but I, I really didn't allow myself to really feel that much be because of what, how it happened. And, you know, seeing her like that was just it was too much to you know on her and just the the, the wear of the whole situation so I just uh, for me I, I didn't really like put it on myself or or, or really think about it so much in a way where like uh, it was affecting me it was just it, I kind of it affected the whole and and mostly her right I can see that yeah I can tell that from um just even the way you're talking about it is so compassionate toward her. Do you feel like you had resources? Do you wish you had had some resources? Do you wish you had had another dad you could have talked to? Uh, well, I did talk to a few people, um, okay. you know, a few family members. And, uh, you know, when it comes to the guy's perspective, it, they always say, you know, like, uh, when, like uh, mostly my uncles is who I'm closer to. And they, you know, uh, one had a few of them. Uh, happened to them and okay. you know he he kind of felt in the same vein where he was more concerned about you know my aunt or his wife at the time uh you know to you know not really uh he, he never he said he's like you know the same thing I feel or it's more like you know we can fix it when when it's time you know yeah. so uh, I don't I don't know exactly why I don't know if everybody would feel that way but I, I feel like um you know that that's kind of what I was leaning towards and uh and I want it to happen. And when people, you know, talk about it, it's like, eh, it happens, especially, you know, uh, you know, as we go down the line, even family members, especially Italians, they're like, eh, it happens, you know, auntie this and auntie that and somebody this, somebody that, everybody, it happened to once. And then look, now they got five kids, you know, uh, you know, so you, you just listen to that and you're like, okay. And you kind of deal with it and you're like, 
all right, I understand it, but we're in it now. And they're, they're just like, don't yeah. worry. My life goes on. You, you, you'll make it. You're going to have another one. It's, it's going to be great. You're going to have two. You're going to have twins. You know, the, they'll give you, they'll, they'll tell you anything you want to hear at the time to, you know, just encourage to uh, not let it uh, bring you down and, and uh, you know, move on and try again, you know, not, not forgetting what happened, but, you know, uh, just growing from it and, you know, and, and not being worried about, you know, trying it again. Right. Do those comments cut you as deep as they, as your wife talked about that they really were hurtful to her? Did you see them as hurtful or were they just encouraging? Well, I could see how obviously everyone's well-meaning. Everyone means well when they say that. Yeah. But what was that like for you? Uh, Well, I don't feel like, I don't know if it was hurtful. It was, you know, maybe it was like kind of like rushing our feelings a little. Okay. Uh, in their way, maybe, uh, I guess if you could say that yeah. and you kind of have to take it in a way where you're like, all right, well, depending on, especially the person that it's coming from yeah, um, and uh, you know what they're, you know, because they just want the best time. for you. They're exactly. just like trying to shower you with love and they feel horrible and it's the only way that they can respond. Right. And it's, you know, and it's always, it's mostly family. I mean, I guess there's been yeah. a couple of people here and there, um, but in the, for the most part, yeah, I, I feel like they're, they're just trying to, you know, they're just trying to make you feel better. And, and, and a lot of people don't really know how to express it either. Cause it is, you know, it, it is a loss, no matter how you, you look at it. It's just right. a, a matter of, uh, you know, it, they're just, they're just trying to make you feel better at the time. And you don't, you know, they don't necessarily know what to say. Some people do better than others. Let's put it that way. Probably based on if they'd gone through it or not. Right. Yeah. Right. Or, yeah. Or they're referring to somebody that they knew that's a, you know, that's kind of like removed from it. And then you're like, eh, okay, I, mm-hmm. I get it. You know, thank you. And then mm-hmm. um, it's tough, but closer immediate family, you know, um, a lot of times it's always somebody that, um, you know, that directly it happened to like an aunt or an uncle, um, you know, or, you know, it happened to, you know, our, uh, like directly our parents, you know, or, or yeah. you know, something like that, you know, possibly. So, I know that there's a lot of different situations, but, you know, ours, you know, when it happened, uh, you know, we got a, a lot of people, a lot of love and, and that was, it was helpful and as much as it could be, you know. Good. Good. Is there anything else that either you or Danielle want to share with us today? Um, well, actually I was thinking as Vin, Vincent was talking about the, I wanted to qualify my advice from before about making sure you express your needs. So, I feel that, especially with this experience, there's a deep dive inward. And I've always been a self-explorer, um, I guess you could say. I, um, I seek out different kinds of self-enrichment experiences. Um, I see a therapist regularly. I, um, I participate in meditation and yoga. And um, I'm always kind of trying to open my mind to the mysteries of the world around us. So I think that that also was a strength for me because I was willing to stay curious yes. about life. Um, I was willing to accept the mysteries that sometimes in our, you know, in our human realm of this desire of control can leave us with no answers. And um, as Vin said, um, we didn't have any answers there. Her chromosomes were perfect. Um, there was nothing physically that 
presented itself as being wrong with me. Um, it was my first pregnancy, so could my cervix have opened? Yes. Could I have gone into preterm labor before my cervix opened? Yes. Could I have had a hormonal imbalance? Yes. We don't know. Right. You know, so, so to proceed on a path where we're willing to conceive again and take this chance, um, there's, there's an immense holding of the darkness and the light that needs to happen. There's this profound joy, but then there's the potential for this profound pain in this experience as we've seen. Um, so I think we're just more seasoned as people through this. I think we can enter parenthood together as wiser human beings um, because we've felt a depth of something that we had never felt before. And, um, and I, I really do think that, like I was saying before, with this idea of being broken open, it really happens and it's powerful. And the amount of love and joy and the, uh, the sensitivity that's heightened as you move through all of the phases of this experience, um, are, are really, um, it's like inconceivable if, if you've never experienced it before. So to, to kind of bring it all together, um, I guess the best thing to remember is that the metaphor that I love to always go back to is um, the wave. I remember when I was pregnant, I did this prenatal yoga series where the teacher would always use the wave as a metaphor in movement and preparing for birth and preparing for labor and just thinking about the rise and the fall of the wave and how the water is just so symbolic when you think of birth and pregnancy. And it was just so profound for me. So I remember thinking of that wave as I thought about my grief. I remember thinking it's a wave and I'm, I'm going to see it. I'm going to accept it and I'm going to let it go. And, and I think remembering that just like I, when I was on the ground with those contractions, um, I remember thinking of the wave and thinking I'm going to do it. It's, it's a wave. It'll stop. Um, this is not going to last forever. And, and through, through my experience now, even when I get super emotional, uh, with thinking about Viviana and thinking about all of the landmarks in her life that I'll never see, in this earthly plane, um, I know it's a wave and I know that ultimately the wave will pass and the sea will be calm again and I'll be ready for the next time. And I am ready because I've done it before. So there's an inc incredible potential for empowerment also in that you've seen the other side. You've, you've been, and this is to get kind of mystical, but as a woman, you've been this portal of life and death and that, that is powerful. And you're, you're still here to say, you know, I see you and I'm, and I'm going to be okay. Thank you for taking the time throughout this whole process to observe yourself, because I know that it was not easy but just in this time this podcast we've had together 
the impact it's going to have on so many women is is exponential. So thank you. I feel that I'm so, you know, coming into the podcast, I was obviously feeling a little bit apprehensive about what would be brought up for me talking about it at this depth. But I feel so thankful that I was given this opportunity to even even just give one woman one little piece of um, a meaningful takeaway. It It would make it all worth it for me. And of course, to memorialize Viviana in that her story is is now out there and is a ripple, a ripple effect in the universe. So thank you. You are so welcome. Interested in hearing more miscarriage stories? We have over 30 more episodes on Patreon. Check it out at patreon.com slash miscarriage. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash miscarriage. It's also linked in the details below. Stay connected. Find us on Instagram at managing.miscarriage. On Facebook at Miscarriage Nonprofit, and don't forget to download our free e-guide on our website, managingmiscarriage.com. If you liked this episode, please leave us a rating so more women can find us. Also, listen to exclusive episodes directly on the Patreon app.